All right. Hey, guys, this is Lexi. Um, welcome to Encounter. We're so happy you could join us today. Um, tonight, we're going through Acts 28. So we're glad you're here and can join us for that. And these are some names that you need to know. So we have Malta, the goddess Justice, Publius, the chief official, the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Syracuse, where you can find Savannah Abram. We love you, Savannah. Congratulations. Party in the back. All right. Um, then we have Regium. Regium. Yeah, sure. Um, Putioli. Putioli. Yeah, that one. The Forum of Apius and the Three Taverns. And those are the names you need to know. So thanks for joining us. Welcome to Encounter. <laughs> I have lost my appetite And a flood is welling up Behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry if that were not enough, they know just the words to cut and tear and prod. When they ask me, Where's your God? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And when I survey your splendor, you so faithfully renew, like a bed of rest for my fainting flesh. I am satisfied in you. It's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down So it's time to lift my brow And remember better days When I love to worship you and all your ways Sing your sweetest songs of praise Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? And I can remember when you showed your grace to me As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you And when I behold your glory, you so a bed of rest for my fainting flesh I am satisfied in you let my sighs give way to songs that sing about your faithfulness let my pain reveal your glory as my only real rest 
down on me I'll recall your safety scheme You're the one who made the waves And your son went out to suffer in my place And to show me that I'm safe So why am I down why so disturbed? I am satisfied in you. 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 Enjoy Encounter, guys. What's up, guys? I'm going to be reading through Acts 28 today. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the uh, KGVJK, uh, which is the King Grant version. Just kidding. We're reading out of the regular Bible. Uh, I am going to be doing some commentary, though. <laughs> so do with that what you will. Um, so we're starting at verse 1. So should be easy to find. Uh, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called uh, Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And uh, Paul, because he's not no charity case, uh, gathered up a, a brow of uh, brushwood and as he put it in the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastens itself on, its ha on his hand. Okay, time out. Remember, there's 276 prisoners plus the crew, plus the soldiers that are keeping all the prisoners under guard. And remember, it was the vision of the angel of God that told Paul, not one of these people will be lost if you all stay together. happens when we see the, the island of Malta show up, Paul goes and gets his hands dirty like everyone else. He's never above doing work. As he's collecting sticks, he puts his hand in and a viper grabs a hold of his arm and wraps or grabs a hold of his hand and wraps around his arm all the barbarians the people who don't speak greek the islanders immediately their context would have been what <laughs> it's not what you thought see as soon as that viper grabbed a hold of paul they said he must be a murderer <laughs> now wait a minute how in the world do you get a snake bite equals murder? Well, the answer was Paul just survived a shipwreck. Now, wait a minute. How does surviving the shipwreck and the snake bite equal murder? When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hands, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. Justice which is ironic because Paul, after killing all of these Christians in his past, but he doesn't get the justice that he deserves 
he gets the justice that God gives. And so through that, um, Paul suffers no ill effects. So what's Paul do? Get off me, serpent. And he throws the snake into the fire, does not drop down onto the ground with swelling and fever and obvious viper poison running through his body. So 180 happens to the islanders. Because all of a sudden, if the goddess Dike can't kill Paul, either by drowning or snake bite, then Paul must be a god. Immediately, the islanders change their mind. They now call him a god. After Paul is called a god, one of the governing officials on the island brings Paul into his home and begins to show him incredible hospitality. Let's pick up in verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Time out. When you hear fever, I think you probably understand sick in bed and fever. When you hear dysentery, I wonder what comes to your mind. And after prayer, placed his hands on the man and healed him. <clears throat> When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Through prayer and the laying on of hands, Paul heals this man instantly. Now, the laying on of hands has shown up all through the book of Acts. We had it in receiving the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9. In fact, in chapter 19, when Paul was coming back into Ephesus, he met disciples, laid on the hands, and they began to worship and speak in tongues. This idea of laying on of hands is not holy in itself, but it is an active use through which God moves to give confirmation signs that he is at work. So don't ever remove this laying on of hands and, and give it an attention that it doesn't have in the collective story of Scripture. Obviously, as everyone comes to be healed, as you would do if you had someone who could do the whole miraculous cure thing, the whole island brings all their sick. Paul sees the kingdom and he is bringing it near. The kingdom is all around and Paul is ushering it in through signs and wonders. We have seen this again and again and again. <laughs> so I know what you guys are thinking. Wow, we need some more grand in this video. So I'm back. Acts 28 verses uh, 13 is where I'm going to start. So um, from there we set sail and arrived at Regium. Regium. Yeah, sure. Uh, the next day the south wind came up and on the following day we reached Petulia. <laughs> Putioli. Putioli. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, that's what we're also going to call it. Um, there we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius, which is 43 miles, and the Three Taverns, which is 33 miles, to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. What comes to mind through this is uh, Acts 23, when Paul was in jail and needed encouragement, um, and, and Jesus came to him in the jail and said, take courage. Um, you're going to minister about me to Rome. 
And so that was the initial time that Paul received some encouragement. And now we see kind of the more what we see today. Um, not all of us get to see Jesus face to face in a jail cell saying, take courage. But what we can see are brothers and sisters acting as the hands and feet of Christ. And, and they're doing that by the distance and the, 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 the way they traveled. Um, they traveled all this distance. And you can tell Paul is a man that has a love language of acts of service. Um, and so he really appreciates the effort and the time that they put in just to come see him. Paul is a human being, um, although we can look at Paul and sometimes see him to be this figure, this cyborg that goes up against uh, the, the Jewish leaders and is just like, I'm going to tear your argument down. Um, and, and we probably assume Paul to be an Enneagram 8, if you're ever uh, an Enneagram person. You know, he, he loves the disagreements. He doesn't mind calling people out. Um, but just like any other eight uh, out there, they are a human being, they have feelings, and they need to be encouraged as well. So, a little reminder. <laughs> Just a little reminder. Time out. This is where you and I once again have to find ourselves in the story. Not that you've necessarily been shipwrecked or are a prisoner, although you may feel like you're in solitary confinement with this whole quarantine. But we need the, the voice and we need the presence, even if it's not physical, of our brothers and sisters to give encouragement. I love the humanity of Paul in the scriptures. It only took three days of recovery for Paul to be back about his mission. So I don't know whenever you walk 43 miles, how your body feels or how long it takes you to recover. But for Paul, the answer was three. Now, you may remember the old joke. Whenever Paul gets to a new city, he finds out where the jail is and where the church is because he's going to begin at one and end up at the other. Well, he begins under house arrest, the jail. And so now he's going to find, after three days, he called together the local Jewish leaders. And when they assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, Stop there. Paul is, is identifying with his Jewish heritage and his Jewish roots. So there is, number one, a birthright that he is claiming and also a belief structure that he is claiming. I've done nothing against either our family or our heritage and beliefs. Watch this. Or against the customs of the ancestors. I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. In this space, Paul is repeating the call that has been to the Jewish people for all of the Old Testament. The promise to the Jewish people was that they would be a light to the nations. I love the way that Jack taught it last week. He said whenever the Jewish people went to the promised land, they were to be in the center of all nations so that way anyone traversing through, through this rich center land, they would see and experience and interact with God's own people. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Whenever I listen to Paul say these words, I'm hearing him say, no one has any dirt on me. 
<laughs> He's like, I am living my life in such a way that no one can say a bad word about me. I'm a loyal Jew, and I am holding on to the same hope of Israel. And the only place of contention Paul knows is that Jesus has fulfilled the messianic expectation. And for this hope, he says, I am a prisoner. And now for my closing thought, um, this reminds me of Moses, you know, as he's about to die, giving his closing thoughts to the Israelites. Uh, this is kind of my closing thought as president. Did you just connect yourself to Moses? I did. I did. Big Mo. That would be a big no-no back in the day. But uh, I can do that now. Acts 28, um, verses 21. Um, and so they replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come here from there have reported or said anything bad about you. And so, but we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. And so here we can see how important it is um, Paul's reputation amongst the people that they literally had nothing bad to say about him and because of that reputation the people are now like okay so if there's nothing bad that he had to say before and he hasn't done anything to cause trouble um, basically why are you here and what are your views that is getting the people so upset and so this opens the door for Paul then to speak and I think this happens so much um, within life is when people can see us and they see us living a different life, living a life of not getting into trouble, not stirring up quarrels and, and fights, but being loving, having a good reputation wherever we go. It enters us into a lot of doors and a lot of conversations with people that say, well, I see the way you live your life, but now um, what do you actually believe? And so this is a key story of Paul's actions doing the speaking for him. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. And so the thing to remember about Paul as a character, he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. Um, this guy knew the word of God from heart, knew the law of Moses and the prophets, could recite it. You could start a verse at one part and he would be able to finish what that verse said. And so Paul is this teacher and somebody who knows it like the back of his own hand. And he is now preaching to the people. And so they want to hear what this guy has to say. This is... Um, LeBron James talking about basketball uh, to the people and they want to know really this guy who knows so much about the law who knows all of these things like the back of his hand believes that they're pointing towards this other guy um, that's interesting and they came in large groups of people to go hear what the, he had to say and so Paul examined all of these scriptures and went through um, and his conclusion was that this all points to Jesus. And he came um, to that through vigorous research and going through. Um, Paul was definitely not willing to accept um, Jesus's mission and ministry when he first heard it. But then after God revealed himself to him and Ananias came and preached to him, Paul was then able to go back through the scriptures and look at these things. And it was as if his eyes had 
literally been opened, but also uh, spiritually been opened to what God was um, saying to him. And so Paul was then able to say, look at these, look at these um, parts in the, the story of the law of Moses, the law of the prophet, and look how they point to who Jesus is and his ministry and how he fulfills this mission that has been proclaimed throughout the scriptures. Now, this is Paul's standard approach. He always explains his circumstances and never sets himself up in contention with his family, with his name, and with his heritage. It is always positively constructed that the person of Jesus has fulfilled what we all hoped would happen. Some were convinced by what he said. Others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made this final statement. Okay, so so we've got an all-day preaching, and then there is kind of like split down the middle of the room. Some are in agreement, hear the words, and, and join in to the, the new way of learning about the Old Testament law and the prophets and how they point towards the person of Jesus, how the kingdom of God, the, the reality of the kingdom pushing in, right? The signs and wonders that we already saw in Malta. This is the kingdom of God pushing in and you can find the kingdom in the law and the prophets. And now here's the line that made half the room pony up and leave. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said. The kingdom framework has been fulfilled. The Holy Spirit has been speaking whenever I can point back to this prophet's voice. And so what Paul's going to do is he's going to quote Isaiah chapter 6. So here we go. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. If they would turn, the voice of God through the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of Isaiah, through the analysis of Paul says, if they would turn, I would heal them. Therefore, Paul closes with verse 28. I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. It seems that this is the point always when the room cleaves. Whenever Paul makes a stand on his Jewish name, on his people's heritage, on the ancestral standing of his birthright, no one has a problem with it. As Paul lays out uh, his Pharisee training and the way that he unpacks the Old Testament scriptures, Really, no one has a big, serious problem because Paul is the smartest of the smart. But here always is the close that we see with Paul and the, and the peace that drives a divisive wedge down the middle of the hearts of people. He says, 
that you, ancestral family of mine, you Jews, you are seeing without perceiving. You're hearing without understanding and your hearts are hard because the kingdom of God is for everyone. And he says the word Gentiles and it is the dogs. As you and I look around, the people in our world, we have this ability to understand and appreciate the Jewish perspective. You and I know people who don't deserve the kingdom of God. You and I can look at the people that we walk amongst, the people that we see online, and we know who deserves and who doesn't deserve the kingdom. And that is the piece that Paul says, in the kingdom of God, everyone is welcome. And it should be a knife to your heart. If you have the ability to look around and say, she's in or he's out or they don't deserve this, then that should just stick. And it should be a place of, I need it to be a place of pain in your world. Because that's what we watch happen in the text. And it is the hope of the gospel for you and I and all who are far off. Although Paul is in Rome, although he has, has come through incredible trials and ordeals, he is still attempting to tell this story and this message of hope to his family. And maybe this is the call to action for those of you who are listening from home. Experience the kingdom of God wherever this message finds you. Because that is the hope of Jesus, that you don't get into the kingdom based on your past experience. You get into the kingdom based on your belief in the life, death, resurrection, and the spirit that is now given to you. The same one that proclaimed all who were far off will be brought near. That is the hope that we see in scripture God, I, as I pray, I don't want to rush through. Uh, I don't want to rush through your word. I don't want to rush through my life. Um, I pray that your kingdom is near and, and your spirit is making that kingdom available to my eyes, to my ears, and to my heart so that way I can see you at work. And so this is what I pray in the name of Jesus through the power of the Spirit. Amen. Please join us next week as we want to do a special send-off. I have one of my favorite seniors jumping in with me, Mariah Murphy.